What's all that? Trotter's files, all of them. You stole his files? I didn't steal his files. Listen to this. I'm just ready to finesse him. I'm starting to finesse him, right? I got him going. He offers to have his secretary copy everything for me. That's very impressive, finessing. That's not all. He's letting us use his hunting cabin as soon as he gets back. It's in the woods, it's quiet, he sleeps like a baby when he's there. Terrific, you're a hell of a bonder. What's this? You uh, reading this book? Yeah. Do me a favor, okay? Don't read this book. Okay? Thank you very much. All right. Don't you wonder why Trotter gave you his files? I told you why. He has to. By law, you're entitled. It's called disclosure. He has to show you everything. Otherwise, it could be a mistrial. He has to give you a list of all his witnesses. You can talk to all his witnesses. He's not allowed any surprises. They didn't teach you that in law school either? Happy birthday, America. It's the 4th of July. I get to wake up in your freedom, but sometimes I wonder why. Seem like everybody's on the red, white, and blue. Happy birthday, America. Whatever's left of you. to the main event happy fourth of july weekend happy birthday america whatever's left of you uh, i opened up with that clip from uh, my cousin Vinny. uh i was watching the uh the surprise hearing in the uh, january 6 uh the january 6 commission or the january 6 committee that they did and i'm saying you know what uh you if you saw cassidy uh what's her name hutchison the uh, mark meadows assistant testify on wednesday i think it was oh uh, tuesday tuesday and start uh putting in hearsay about what some secret service guy said happened someplace that she wasn't at and uh and saying things that people said that they didn't say and in uh and then having the secret service go on record and saying hey that never happened and i'm willing i'm ready to testify that it never happened and all this stuff going on, you know, in a normal trial in a normal trial, you have, you know, you, there's, you have to have disclosure like that scene from, uh, from my cousin Vinny. 
and you have to have and you get cross examination and you're not allowed. I could use another scene from a few good men where where uh, Kevin Bacon asks uh, Cuba Gooding about uh, how he felt, how he felt when uh, when he heard that uh, uh, Santiago uh, went went outside the chain of command and and hey, you know, he 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 went over. He he cried. He he contradicted something we believe in. He goes, how did how did the how did the defendants feel the same way? Wait, wait, wait. That's hearsay. How can he how can he testify to how my clients felt? And that's exactly what she's doing. How can she testify to something that happened that she wasn't there to see? I could use a movie clip from the movie uh, in the bedroom when uh, Marissa Tomei's the says uh, she saw her uh, she she saw her 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 soon to be ex husband murder her boyfriend, and they said, "Well, you didn't actually see it." Well, I was two steps up the stairs coming down. I heard the gun go off, and there's my boyfriend with a big big uh, uh, bullet bullet hole in his face, and my ex husband sitting there on the table with the with the gun there, and no one else was it. No, you didn't see it. You didn't see it. So it's it's not credible testimony. But for the Democrats, that stuff all that stuff doesn't matter because they're putting on a show, thinking this is going to save their butts for uh, the the midterms, and they're going to try and keep uh, uh, Trump from rerunning running for president again. Anyway, I just wanted to point that out since I'm not I covered it a little bit last week and I didn't uh, didn't cover it this week, but I wanted to make that point. Make that point there. That song was Toby Keith, "Happy Birthday, America." Uh, Monday's the 4th of July. And uh, if you haven't heard that song, go on YouTube and uh, and uh, watch, watch and listen. And it's, uh, you know, Toby Keith is such a patriot. And it's uh, when you hear the hear the words, hey, you know what, whatever is left of you and how everybody's uh, down on, you know, they're changing. I'll play a little bit of it uh, in the beginning of the of the second half and you'll be able to hear hear kind of how he how he summarizes everything that's going on. But anyway, that's in the second half. We got a lot of lot to talk about in the first half. But before I do, let me introduce myself. For those who don't know me, my name is Ed Hoffman, branch manager, Planet Home Lending. If you're interested in getting involved in the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and I'll tell you some fantastic opportunities that are if you've been shopping for a house and couldn't get a house, things have slowed down. There's not as much, there's not as much overbidding. You might have a chance to actually get a house without having to bid twenty-five or thirty thousand or a hundred thousand over uh, over the asking price to get it. So there's some opportunity there. Although the interest rates are about two point four five percent of where they were a year ago, higher. So that's a bummer. But uh, as we as we go into recession, likely a year and a half from now, you'll be refinancing whatever you buy with today. Um, so if you're interested in Find out more about that. Call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Uh, one more time, day or night, toll free area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me, but you don't want to talk on the phone, because it's so personal that you don't want your friends at work when you're stealing time from your employer to hear that you're talking about personal stuff, go to edhoffman.net, click on the Planet Home Lending logo. Uh, that'll take you to my lending page, put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back and you'll hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates. We'll help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Uh, any part of the show you want repeated, stay on edhoffman.net, click on the podcast page and you can listen to this show as well as several past shows on demand. You can also get the uh, podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes where you can, uh, 
where you can uh, subscribe for free, have uh, have it automatically download. I record on Friday mornings. It'll upload on Friday afternoons, and you can uh, and it'll download to your device, your phone, or your computer, whatever you listen to podcast on, and you can uh, listen to it on demand. Um, and if you have comments on the show, send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net. Um, okay. So, uh, joining me this week on the show with me is my, uh, is my sidekick, uh, every few weeks, Mr. Scott McAfee, proprietor of Don's bikes in uh, Rialto and Redlands. Scotty, welcome back to the show. It's great to be here, man. Hey, and, uh, well, while I have you on here, I have a bicycle expert. You know, the president had a little mishap. Uh, with his bicycle and maybe you could give us some technical uh uh some some technical uh uh thoughts on on what you saw when biden uh fell off his bike well like like everybody else out there i saw biden crash on his bicycle and being that i own a bicycle store ed for me this was personal uh, but i think the worst part was the secret service afterwards had to change his diaper um the big question for me though is who in the hell put Joe Biden on a bicycle, especially without training wheels? Right. I mean, exactly. And I also saw that Biden was wearing a helmet and I'm thinking for what? Right. <laughs> Why does Joe Biden need a helmet? Um, so well, he doesn't damage his doesn't mess up his hair. OK, well, that's possible when he falls. <laughs> uh, now, a lot of people don't know the bike actually belonged to Liz Cheney, but Biden crashed while trying to smell the seat. <laughs> Here's. You're sick. Sorry, Ed. You are a you are a sick puppy. See if that one gets past the uh, screeners. <laughs> All right, so uh, he is a sniffer. He is a sniffer. Okay, so let's talk about what's going on this week sure. and our opinions of it. So, uh, as we all know, the Supreme Court voted five four last week to overturn Roe versus Wade. I said I would uh, cover that this this week. I gave a little bit of my opinion uh, last week, but. Um, now we'll talk about the details. The five justices in support of ending Roe versus Wade were Trump appointees, Amy Coney Barrett, Brett Kavanaugh, and Neil Gorsuch, along with Bush 41 appointee Clarence Thomas and George W. Bush appointee Samuel Alito. The majority opinion was written by Justice Alito, who started by explaining the last lack of historical precedent for the constitutional right to abortion. And I quote, not only was there no support for such a constitutional right, until before, shortly before Roe, but abortion had long been a crime in every single state. At common law, and when he talks about common law, uh, he's talking about English common law, which was uh, basically based on based on uh, on precedent and common practices. So, hey, you know, if this is how we've always done it, it's never really been a law. But this this is you know it's you know say hey, if this is how we've been doing it in practice, that makes it a law. Um, so at common law, abortion was criminal in at least some stages of pregnancy and was regarded as unlawful and could have serious consequences at all stages. American law followed the common law until a wave of statutory restrictions in the 1800s expanded criminal liability for abortions. By the time of the adoption of the 14th Amendment, three quarters of the states had made abortion a crime at any stage of, pre of pregnancy, and the remaining states would soon follow. Alito concluded, Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. It is time to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives, which means that, hey, he didn't say that abortion's illegal. He said, hey, there's no constitutional right to it federally, and we're going to push it back to the states so that, hey, you know what, the, the people's elected representatives can make a 
as opposed to the uh, as opposed to the Supreme Court can make their decisions and we can elect people that that will that are supposed to represent how we feel and we can we can vote on it or we can vote people out that 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 make it the law without us voting on it. Scotty, you know, I, I mean, for me as a pro-lifer, um, this is kind of the whole thing was really surreal. I think when it happened, I think a lot of people on the pro-life side never thought this day would actually come. Um, and, you know, I, I participated in the March for Life in D.C. And, you, you know, this is something that's been going. It's a battle that's been going for 50 years. So to actually win this is is crazy. Now, obviously, it doesn't change anything in California uh, and a lot of other states like New York. But it does definitely start turning the tide uh, for this issue. And it's been one of the biggest issues for people on the right, myself included. Ed. Yeah, exactly. Myself as well. And, uh, you know, hey, when there's a there's a, a 10 points on the on the scoreboard for God. Um, we've all probably encountered people this week who think the court just waved a waved a wand for this decision, but of course that's not the case. Here's how the ruling came about, including the differences between the court six three ruling on the Mississippi abortion case. This is Pete Williams on NBC News. Okay, remember how this case came to the Supreme Court. It was a challenge based on Mississippi's law that would ban abortion after 15 weeks of pregnancy. So the court granted the case limited to one question. Can states ban abortion before the age of fetal viability? That was the question before the court. And the court today said the answer to that is yes. That vote was six to three with Chief Justice Roberts joining with the other conservatives. On the question of overturning Roe versus Wade, the vote was five to four. Roberts said we don't need to go that far to answer that question about viability. Now, of course, once you take away the viability uh, benchmark, say the courts can ban abortion before the age of viability, then you're on a sliding scale that eventually gets rid of Roe v. Wade anyway. But, in, but he said the court went too fast in, in overturning Roe now. So those are the two holdings. The Mississippi law is upheld. Roe and all the follow-on cases over 50 years sustaining the abortion right are now overturned. So uh, essentially, essentially, you've got a Gorsuch, Gorsuch, uh, Coney Barrett, and Kavanaugh, who, uh, who, and, uh, and Thomas, and Alito, so five of them, that made, it, made a, uh, a clear decision that um, this is not a constitutional right. Then you have the the lefties. You have Stephen Breyer and Sotomayor and Kagan that did what they did what they do. They're on the lefties, and then of course you got Justice uh, John Roberts, uh, Chief Justice John Roberts, who who is really more concerned that I just don't want anybody to not like me. I want everybody to like me and uh, and make sure and pay me uh, for my lifetime uh, appointment to this part time job in the Supreme Court. So uh, the White House Communications Office must have been tipped off to the decision because Biden's reaction came quickly. And that's really not Biden. And it was full of over the top rhetoric. And, you know, the if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we uh, we brought out the the lies about uh, about Biden being the top of his class when, in fact, he was 66 out of 85 in his uh, in his law school class. And, you know, he, clearly he's the he's the leading legal mind in America. It's a sad day for the court and for the country. Now, with Roe gone, let's be very clear. The health and life of women in this nation are now at risk. It was three justices named by one president, Donald Trump, who were the core of today's decision to upend the scales of justice and eliminate a fundamental right for women 
in this country. It's a realization of an extreme ideology and a tragic error by the Supreme Court, in my view. But this decision must not be the final word. You know, you, you talked about where he finished in his class. Ed. I mean, that seemed kind of high, actually, to me. I'd like to know where he'd finish in that class right now. You know, um, the other comment that I have is that Justice Roberts thought that overturning Roe versus Wade would be, quote, disruptive. I don't know about you, Ed, but I'd like a lot more of that kind of disruption, especially in the next couple of years. The, the final comment that I have, too, is that people need to recognize none of this would happen had it not been for President Trump. None of it. Exactly. And I, and I don't know why. You know, uh, Biden makes the comment that three of the three of these uh, nine justices were all nominated by one president, President Trump. Well, if it went the other way, two of those were nominated by President Obama, who uh, would be Kagan and Sotomayor. So and then, of course, uh, three of them were were nominated by by uh, the the Bush family, Bush 41 and Bush 43. So um, I'm not sure. And of course, if you remember, Obama used to say, uh, hey, uh, elections have consequences. So that's how, that's how the, that's how the game works. You don't have to point out that this is a mistake. This is how the game works historically for 250 years. Like Biden, the speaker of the house is supposedly an ardent Catholic. How that jives with being pro-abortion may be confounding to the rest of us, but to Nancy Pelosi, these things don't need to make sense. A woman has a right to choose to live up to her responsibility. It's up to her, her, doctor, her family, her husband, her, her significant other, and her God. I'm a very Catholic person, and I believe in every woman's right to make her own decisions. Yeah, the problem is, is that, uh, hey, my body, my choice. Um, the issue is not her body, her choice. It's uh, the issue is that baby inside her is a separate body. Okay, can we be... all... oh, sorry. Go ahead. Can we also apply that logic to the vaccine, Ed? Like my body, my choice. I don't want to take a vaccine, which, by the way, doesn't freaking work anyways, without being fired from my job. That's what I want to know. Does that apply for that as well? Yeah, I can uh, I can say that uh, my neighbors all went on a trip to Israel with the with our church. Uh, this uh, they just got back last a uh, few days ago. And uh, and and they they all had the, they all had the vaccine and they all came back with COVID. Isn't that so, interesting? Yep, exactly. So, well, I guess like I say, we don't know what that vaccine does, but we know what it doesn't do, and that's prevent COVID. So uh, getting on with this, as for Vice President, her first reaction uh, for the Roe versus Wade uh, overturn was a tweet to tweet a photo of herself watching CNN uh, coverage of the ruling, all from the comfort of Air Force Two. And she tweets, I know there are women out there who are afraid. To those of you who feel alone and scared, I want you to know the president and I are fighting for you and your rights. We are in this fight together. Yeah. Her own supporters started calling the tweet tone deaf and asking her to step up her game. Uh, one uh, tweeted, fighting? Doing what? Another one said, could you be specific? Like, how are you fighting? Describe the tactics. Explain the policy. Give us the rundown. And then another one said, um, 36,000 feet above everything, watching on a big-ass TV in a private plane. And the message is, we are in this together. I'm not sure you guys get where the rest of us are at right now. So on Monday, the administration put her in front of CNN's Dana Bash to redeem herself. The court actually took a constitutional right that has been recognized for half a century and took it from the women 
of America. I thought about it as, you know, a parent. We have two children who are in their 20s, a son and a daughter. I thought about it as a godparent of teenagers. I thought of it as an aunt of, of, of preschool children. And a woman yourself. And a woman myself. And the daughter of a woman. And a granddaughter of a woman. She forgot to throw in a great-granddaughter and a great-great-granddaughter and a great-great-great-granddaughter. You, you could go forever. Of course, uh, Harris has never had a baby herself. She's never had to deal with this. Of course, we don't know. Maybe she got pregnant and she had an abortion. So, uh, But she's never given birth to a, to a child of her own. So I don't think she, she can relate. Um, any other comments before we go on to the next, uh, the next subject there, Scott? Yeah, I think... I think- Part of the thing that I find most disturbing is that a lot of these major companies and corporations are actually offering to fund women's abortions. If you happen to live in a state where it where it will be banned, uh, companies like Netflix and Disney and Tesla find that deeply, deeply disturbing. I think certainly the Democrat Party has gone from the position of abortion being rare uh, to like almost thinking, almost saying outright that abortion is good. It's like a good thing to do this. And I find that just incomprehensible. And one more direction, they're, they're moving it towards just flat out evil is what it is. Ed. Yeah, I don't I don't know why, uh, you know, hey, uh, birth control pills are free. And uh, birth controls are free. Birth control is free. Why don't they just take those pills? Or why don't they use, uh, uh, you know, uh, condoms? Or why don't they use something? And that fixes it. Well, not only that, but obviously, you know, I'm an adoptive parent. And why can't we see more of a push towards adoption? I thought if I was ever the president, that's what I would want my first lady to take on as the main issue is adoption. I mean, I think we as a country do a better job with adopting dogs than we do people. Uh, And that's true also within the foster care system. We need more people, I would say, even on the pro-life side to step up and adopt kids, foster kids and do everything we can for for people who maybe just don't want the child, well, we are expecting that woman to take that baby to term, but I think we need to incentivize that to happen. We also need to have systems in place to take care of that child once it's born. And maybe if there was more of an effort there, it wouldn't be so expensive and it wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't take so long and it wouldn't be, wouldn't be so hard for, for uh, uh, people that want to be parents that can't make one on their own. Uh, for one reason or another, and they want to be parents really bad. And it just comes down to, Hey, the legal fees are super high and they're, uh, and it's, and it's, it's just hard, hard to do it. Um, I do have to interject there. I'm actually, it's free. If you go through the County, if you want to do a private adoption, like through China or Russia, then you're right. You're paying like thousands of dollars, but you know, my wife and I went through San Bernardino County. It was hundred percent free. Ed. Yeah. Well, I know uh, uh, our son, uh, Brett and his wife, uh, we're trying to uh, they were trying to do uh, uh, IVF and they were then they went to uh, um, getting a surrogate and then they were talking about adopting. And I guess the, there's a lot of politics involved in in uh, in doing that. And uh, they just finally gave up. So uh, and of course, we know uh, our our other friend uh, that that went through it and it was uh, and it's a long story. It wasn't a pleasant experience for for uh rob either so anyway so let's uh let's go on to uh we only have a couple minutes left so remember when the left went into an uproar anytime trump criticized left-leaning justice like sonia sotomayor or ruth bader ginsburg that's not the case now we already heard biden's 
criticism of of the Roe overturn. And within a few hours, the decision being announced, members of Congress went on attack as well, citing citing the rumor that Brett Kavanaugh previously assured senators like Susan Collins that he would never vote to overturn Roe. People like Elizabeth Warren, AOC, and Maxine Waters made no secret of their desire to start manipulating the Supreme Court as an institution. The hell with the Supreme Court. We will defy them. Sends a blaring uh, signal to all future nominees Mm -hmm. that they can now lie to duly elected members of the United States Senate in order to secure Supreme Court uh, nom- uh, confirmations and, and, and seats on the Supreme Court. I believe lying under oath is an impeachable offense. This court has lost legitimacy. They have burned whatever legitimacy they may still have had. I believe we need to get some confidence back in our court. And that means we need more justices on the United States Supreme Court. Yeah. So when things don't go their way, let's just change the rules of the of the agreed upon highest, uh, highest, uh, highest court that makes judgments on stuff that every everybody else can't agree with. We'll talk more about this in the second half. So uh, stay tuned for uh, five minutes of weather, traffic, sports and commercials. And we will be back with a lot more. Don't go away. All the broken down cities by the left's design. And the right can't seem to get it right Most of the time Every time I go to town and vote I just come home with blues The lesser of two evils All we ever get to choose Happy birthday, America it's the 4th of July I'll get to wake up in your freedom But sometimes I wonder why Seems like everybody's Welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, branch manager, plant home lending. Don't talk a lot about real estate and finance on the radio because uh, if you're not if you're not ready, if you're not ready to deal with it, it will just be boring. But if you are thinking that maybe you should deal with something that you're doing, maybe you're a little worried about uh, where this country's going, and maybe you should rearrange your uh, finances for any any contingency plans. Call me toll-free at 855-640-2020, 855-640-2020, or go to edhoffman.net, click on the Planet Home Landing logo and do the cyber thing. Also, if you're over 62 and you uh, and you want to uh, try to position yourself with, with less outgo, you got more equity in your house than you have, uh, have uh, it's a, if you feel like you have equity in your house and you have more life left than you have money, uh, might be a good time to look into that. Um, also, if you're thinking about getting out of California, I'm licensed in 24 states. So call me and I can help you with that. Um, before the, before the break, I introduced, uh, Mr. Scott McAfee, who's been joining me. If you, if you missed the first half, you don't know that, but Scott, welcome back. And I hear you have a, uh, uh, a comedy show coming up. Thanks. I appreciate being back. Uh, so yes, we do have another conservative comedy show coming up. It's actually July 10th in Rancho Cucamonga. 
we're raising money for some of the Republicans that are running in our area. So we hope you can make it. We call it Make America Laugh Again. You can buy tickets at malacomedy.com, M-A-L-A comedy.com. We still have a few tickets left at $69. That includes dinner. Hope you can make it. The doors open at seven. Again, that's M-A-L-A malacomedy.com. I'm going to be the MC. We've got some very funny people. Hope to see you there. All right. Maybe you'll see us there. So, uh, so before the before the break, we played a we played a clip. I think I'm going to play it again of uh, Maxine Waters and AOC and Elizabeth Warren uh, talking about what we should do based on the uh, sec- the the Supreme Court actually doing their job and making decisions based on the letter of the law. But let's let's listen to that again. The hell with the Supreme Court. We will defy them sends a blaring uh, signal to all future nominees Mm -hmm. that they can now lie to duly elected members of the United States Senate in order to secure Supreme Court uh, uh, confirmations and, and, and seats on the Supreme Court. I believe lying under oath is an impeachable offense. This court has lost legitimacy. They have burned whatever legitimacy they may still have had. I believe we need to get some confidence back in our court. And that means we need more justices on the United States Supreme Court. Yeah, it's been like uh, 150 years with nine justices on there. And uh, we need to add more while Biden's in there. Well, he'll add some he'll add some more Mr. Magoo's on there by himself that will just blindly follow AOC, you know, because she's a leading legal mind in this in this country. You know, she can make a great pina colada, though. Um, you know, and it, it's as I listen to Maxine Waters say, we will defy the Supreme Court. Isn't that what the what the January 6th commission is saying is all about? You can't d- defy hey, the, the people spoke, even though we we all believe that the people didn't speak, but they manipulated it. And some protesters said, hey, we're going to make our make our voices heard. And they're trying to make it look worse that they're defying the government. But then they're saying, let's defy the government. And what you're saying is Maxine Waters is calling for an insurrection. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yep. Okay. When AOC, by the way, was asked about Roe versus Wade, she said, you know what? I don't care how illegal aliens get into this country. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> she's, uh, <clears throat> she's a moron. And, uh, and of course, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just so hypocritical of them, the way they deal with the stu- things when they don't go, when they don't go their way. You know, the violence this week includes protesters being arrested in eight states, pro-life pregnancy center being set on fire in Colorado, and a protester arrested for trying to set a cop on fire with a flamethrower in Los Angeles. I bet you that was somewhere over by uh, Cielo Drive. Uh, for those of you that, uh, that saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you know that flamethrower thing. Uh, this week, Clarence Thomas is the focus of the attack because in his written opinion of the Roe decision, Thomas called for his colleagues to re-examine and potentially overturn other rulings that were decided based on the same substantive due process theory as a road decision. In recent years, those cases concern gay marriage and birth control. In future ca- cases, we should consider all of the court's substantive, substantive due process presidences, including Griswold, Lawrence, and Obergefell, uh, Thomas wrote. Uh, Thomas was referring to 1965 ruling Griswold versus Connecticut that allows married couples to access birth control. He's also referencing a 2003 ruling Lawrence versus Texas that forbids states from from outlawing consensual gay sex. And Obergefell 
versus Hodges in 2015 decision that establishes constitutional right to same-sex marriage. Since we're all dying to know what Hillary Clinton thinks of Clarence Thomas, she told us in appearance, she told us in an appearance Tuesday on CBS This Morning with Gail King. Justice Thomas has sort of floated that out there about contraceptive rights, yes. contraception, and about same-sex marriages. But other justices have pushed back to say, no, he's really sort of on his own with that. Well, Don't he, believe that? Well, he may be on his own, but he's signaling, as he often did. You know, people, I went to law school with him. Mm -hmm. He's been a, a person of grievance for as long as I've known him. Resentment, grievance anger. And he has signaled uh, in the past to lower courts, to state legislatures, find cases, pass laws, get them up. I may not win the first, the second, or the third time, but we're going to keep at it. So you're saying people pay attention to yes, this? Yes. The people he is speaking to, which are the, you know, right-wing, very conservative judges and justices and state legislatures. And the thing that uh, is, well, there's so many things about it that are deeply distressing, but women are going to die, Gail. Women will die. They're going to die, Ed. They're going to die. Um, you know, a couple, couple thoughts on this. One is, and I don't know if I've heard anybody express this, maybe I'm sure somebody has, but I think the Supreme Court justices have to be applauded for just being flat out brave. I mean, when you think about it, there were protests at their homes. You had a thwarted assassination attempt against Brett Kavanaugh, I think the concern for people like myself on the right, that they would cave to that pressure, but they didn't. And I think that shows a lot of guts, Ed. As do I. And of course, Hillary Clinton has a way of spinning stuff she really doesn't have a clear, uh, uh, clear knowledge of. Um, Sonia Sotomayor, again, she's the, she's the far lefty. Uh, Clarence Thomas is the far righty. She made some comments a couple of weeks ago on Clarence Thomas that I think I thought was interesting because she deals with this guy today. She didn't go to law school with him 50 years ago, like Hillary Clinton said, she's standing there talk, talking as a, as a voice of authority about who Clarence Thomas is. Listen to Sonia Sotomayor's uh, comments about who Clarence Thomas is. Justice Thomas is the one justice in the building that literally knows every employee's name. That they, every one of them. And not only does he know their names, he remembers their families' names and histories. He's the first one who will go up to someone when you're walking with him and say, is your son okay? How's your daughter doing in college? He's the first one that when my stepfather died, sent me flowers in Florida. He is a man who keeps, cares deeply about the court as an institution, about the people who work there, but about people. He has a different vision than I do about how to help people and about their responsibilities to help themselves. But I think we share a common understanding about people and kindness. That's why I can be friends with him and still continue our daily battle. I think that's interesting in that, um, you know, so, uh, Sotomayor, Marilyn Kagan, uh, Stephen Breyer, um, they're the far lefties and they're liberal, but it comes down to the interpretation of the law. 
and you got a uh, Gorsuch and uh, Kavanaugh and Co- and Coney Barrett and uh, Alito um, and Thomas. They're very conservative, but it comes down to the to the letter of the law and the interpretation from that. Um, I'm sorry, Elena Kagan, not Marilyn Kagan. Um, not sure who Marilyn Kagan is, but anyway. Uh, uh, but um, and then you've got then you've got of course you got uh, John Roberts who who uh, who just wants people to like him. So no, but they but when it comes down to it, they have a job to do. Just like you said, and it comes down to interpretation of the law. And of course, AOC says they lied under oath in private conversations. You have a private conversation with a congressperson, you you take an oath. So I'm not I'm not really sure where that where all that came from. Um, but you know what? It, uh, it's it's interesting to see the spin of what the Democrats and the and the and the media will put on TV, um, regardless of the truth. So anyway, let's talk about uh, let's talk about some. Uh, let's take a little bit of a of a turn. Conservative media has spent so much time covering Hunter Biden that we've almost missed the most troubling aspect of Joe Biden's family matters. The fact that his creepy, deviant behaviors are irreparably damaged his daughter, Ashley. 41-year-old Ashley Biden, the daughter of Joe and Jill, has a history of chronic drug abuse, apparently a sex addiction for which she has undergone treatment. After checking out of a Florida sober living house during the 2020 campaign, Ashley went back to her home in Philadelphia not aware that she'd left behind her diary, which was under her bed in Palm Beach. It was found by another resident of the center, Amy Harris, who then started shopping it around to Republican operatives. Apparently, this Amy Harris found this, found this diary and goes, hmm, starts reading it. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like a scene from Bridesmaids. You read my diary? At first, I did not know that it was your diary. I thought it was a very sad handwritten book. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Amy Harris thought, hey, I read this and uh, clearly this is Ashley Biden's. Let me see what I can get out of it. So she starts shopping it around. Ultimately, Amy Harris sold it to for $40,000 to James O'Keefe's site, Project Veritas, who never published it, although they could have. In November of last year, the FBI raided O'Keefe's home in search of the diary. Here's here's the audio from that raid. I'm sorry, so what is this regarding? This is a search warrant. This is open up. Let me see your hands. Let me see So in what universe does the FBI do something like this to, in order to obtain a woman's diary? In the universe where the woman is Joe Biden's daughter? Yeah. But also where the woman makes claims that, the, that show her father, the current president of the United States, might be a sexual predator. While the diary story has been covered by both the New York Times and Vanity Fair, these outlets have only framed it as a story of Republicans being horrible people for exploiting the problems of Joe Biden's children. They aren't talking about what Ashley wrote in her diary from January to September of 2019. What did she write? That her father's predatory behavior likely contributed to her lifelong struggle with sex addiction. But the Daily Mail is talking about it. Here's their reporter, Josh Boswell, on Tucker Carlson. So we've looked at the diary. Um, We've spent a a lot of time considering carefully what to report from it. And um, what we've chosen to report are some pretty serious things that Ashley, the president's daughter, wrote. She wrote that she was musing over whether her father was sexually inappropriate with her when she was a little girl. She mentions in the diary showers with her dad. 
Um, she also talks about them being probably not appropriate. Um, she writes that down on one page in her diary. And she also refers to being hypersexualized at a young age. Yeah, I have a daughter and I have a granddaughter. And uh, my experience with little kids is uh, when they're young and in a situation where they won't remember it, they take baths. They don't take showers. They get in the bathtub. And uh, by the time they're ready to take a shower, they're ready to take a shower by themselves. Um, and the fact that he's given her, he's having a shower with her just disgusts me. Yeah, it's, it's creepy and uh, very, very disturbing to say the least, Dad. I mean, I have two daughters myself, never taken a shower with either one of my daughters. No, what I even think of that uh, at any age. It just, it's, it's creepy. It's creepy and gross. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And, uh, you know, but we don't care about we don't care about who uh, who Biden is. And of course, of course, they made they made comments of uh, about Trump's comments about Ivanka. And uh, and and we were talking about that earlier. And it was more like, you know, Trump didn't seem like he did anything creepy. He just was proud that he that his daughter was was hot. And uh, which is still kind of weird to brag about, but um, I don't remember the context of it, but it wasn't, hey, I'm taking a shower with my daughter and she's 10 years old. Um, In any case, anyone isn't clear on what we're talking about here. Here are Ashley Biden's own words. Here, once again, are the words from Ashley Biden's diary. Quote, I've always been boy crazy, she wrote, hypersexualized at a young age. I remember somewhat being sexualized with a family member. I remember having sex with friends at a young age. Showers with my dad, probably not appropriate. So Ashley Biden wrote this in the context of her struggle with sexual compulsiveness in later life. And she attributes those compulsions to the fact that her father took showers with her in a way that was, quote, not appropriate. Now, we have no reason to doubt that what she wrote is true. She did not write this for public consumption. She wrote it in a diary that, as you just heard, she accidentally left behind in a halfway house in Palm Beach, Florida, in June of 2020, during the presidential race. The woman who took the room that she left, a single mother, found that diary under the bed. Now, if you are the father of daughters, ask yourself, is there any explanation for that behavior? And there's not. It's sick and it's horrifying. Yes, it is. And here's 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 uh, one last clip from Josh Boswell. And there's some truly kind of shocking things in there as well about how Joe cried. He, he was brought to tears over worry for his daughter um, just before a Democratic primary debate. So we can now know because of this diary that there are several things that would be extremely important for national security, they not fall into the wrong hands, for example, the Chinese, right, or or the Russians, who could use this as blackmail if it wasn't published. Yeah, I'm not sure about uh, the black, I guess if it wasn't published, if if someone didn't talk about it. So now the America knows, not that America cares, um, because he's a Democrat. So we don't care about these kind of things when it's a Democrat. We don't care about we don't care about uh, Tara Reid, who, who uh, you know, and, and here, here's allegations on his daughter in her own words. And it's, and it's verified. You know, I, I'd actually heard about this diary, but this is the first time I ever heard it reported on, like, on Fox and a major news outlet. 
Um, one thing we can say for sure is the Biden family is pretty screwed up, Ed. I mean, you've got Hunter, who's an absolute basket case, it, this daughter who's gone through all kinds of hell. And it does seem like when you look at women who end up in uh, having these sexual addictions or falling into prostitution or pornography, I'd say more often than not, you can see troubled childhoods for this kind of stuff. And the other thought I had, you know, you mentioned about uh, Trump and Ivanka. Can you imagine if this was Ivanka's diary? Like it would be 24-7 reporting. You'd have reporters hounding Ivanka. Can you please talk more about the diary? Can you explain? Can you imagine, Ed, what that would look like? Yeah, exactly. And uh, and and clearly Trump's kids are well di- are are together. I mean, we heard all we heard all uh uh one, two, three, four. They have five. We heard we didn't hear uh got the youngest. He's got five, five? He's got five kids. I don't so think that's Darren, right. I forgot about Baron. We, we heard five. we heard four of them talk at the at the convention uh, in 2016. Um, and they're clearly they're well, they're well spoken, they're well, they're well together. And you know, as far as they they understand why dad raised them uh, and the way they did, and why you know they learned certain things in, about life and their functioning. You got Biden there who, you know, he's got a one kid who he's got two kids that have are drug addicts. You got two kids that are sex addicts. You have uh, one kid, one kid passed away and the other kid starts having sex with with his with his uh, widow. Um, And then and then we have uh, someone who worked for for Biden, who Biden uh, apparently raped and uh, and met with him, had him had her bring his gym bag or something to him. And he closed the door and put his hand down her dress and up in inside her body. And we have that corroborated by the fact that her mom called into Larry King and uh, and mentioned it. And uh, you know, hey, all this stuff that proves they're not just making making up a story. And this no, Ed, guy, this guy is a, is he's messed up. No, he's he's. We're probably talking about somebody who's a pedophile, sexual predator in the White House. Not the first time. By the way, have we have a Democratic sexual predator in the White House? Um, but, you know, uh, this guy's sick. He's sick. And I know uh, Tucker also said, I mean, Biden should step down at this point. Uh, and also not only that, but, you know, using the FBI as like your private Gestapo to try and squelch this story. You know, this also uh, also just shows you the current day and age that we're living in right now. It, yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, something's wrong in this country. The way the way the the media spins stuff and the way that, you know, you just hear hear just BS, BS coming out, coming out, that stuff that doesn't make sense at the that, you know, the, the Democrats just say stuff that isn't true and expect people are going to, hey, if you hear it enough times, it becomes the truth. So knowing all this, maybe it's time for America to take take these comments from Biden a little bit more seriously. I've always tried to make a human connection. That's my responsibility, I think. I shake hands. I hug people. I, I grab men and women by the shoulders and say, you can do this. And, and, uh, and whether they're women, men, young, old, it's, it's the way I've always been. What I'm going to do, if you give me a address, I'm going to write you a longer answer and tell you the exact things I would do, okay? R- okay? Promise? I'll bet you're as bright as you're good looking. Get hot. I got a lot of, I got hairy legs. That turn that 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 turn uh, um, blonde in the sun, and the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down, so it was straight, and then watch the hair come back up again. They look at it. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap. 
And I've loved kids jumping on my lap. And that was the most cringe thing that has ever come out of Joe Biden's mouth, like by far. And, and you know, have you noticed, too, there's this trend within the Democrat Party of trying to sexualize children, uh, sexualizing them at an early age about sex education, having these drag queen story times and elementary schools now uh, talking about, you know, gay pride month. It's a whole month. It's gay pride. You know, and, and I'm coming to the conclusion, Ed, that not all Democrats are pedophiles, but all pedophiles are Democrats. Yep, exactly. Exactly. And, uh, you know, you it's it's all this inappropriate stuff that they're feeding kids. We want kids to to know about alternative lifestyles. You know what? What is the percentage of people that are that are uh, LGBTQ plus? It's about, you know, point oh two four nine or something percentage of the of the uh, of the country. And it seems like everything is steering towards them. Make sure we take care of the LGBTQ plus. And, uh, you know, I think about this when they when they uh, talked about diversity in the White House and uh, in the White House cabinet. Hey, you know what? I don't know what percentage of of uh, the country is is autistic. But why aren't they saying, hey, we have to have a percentage of of those people in, into the White House, into the White House. Let's let's not put people that are competent. Let's put people that are diverse and let's put let's put Forrest Gump in there to make judgments on uh, on on things that are important about the leadership of this country. And that makes about as much sense as as how we've outfitted the uh, the the cabinet, the top leadership in this country. And it's pretty disgusting. Well, it is. And also we're seeing it in media and movies now, too. I know one of my employees was going to take his young daughter to see the new Buzz Lightyear movie until he found out there was kind of a lesbian scene. There were two of the female characters kiss each other. So, um, you know, at that point, why don't they just call it Buzz Light Queer? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. There's a there's a there's a problem with this. There's a problem with this. And hopefully, uh, hopefully we see a uh, uh, a rejection of of all this stuff by by America and maybe seeing Roe versus Wade overturned. Maybe this is the start. And maybe the midterms, uh, when we reject everything that has a D and D next to it, we reject that. And uh, and uh, and that starts going the right direction. Maybe we turn this country around. Uh, but anyway, hey, we're all out of time for this uh, episode of the main event. So, Scott, thanks for joining me. Ed, always fun. And uh, for all you listening, thanks for listening to the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman, and I'll be back again with you next week. <laughs>